Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by my co-host and star of this show, Sal Marinello, and this is The Hot Corner with Coach Sal, episode 263 right now on the network. Got a great show in store for our 43,000-plus subscribers. Excited to touch base in our 74 countries, grassroots MLB front offices. And before we introduce Sal, just want to just want to encourage everybody, let's give this episode a five-star out there and put some nice notes out there for Sal so we can keep providing you with great content every week and battle the analytics of the podcast world, just like we do in baseball. With that, Sal, welcome back to your show. Hey, Dave. Great to be here. We got a lot of interesting topics. I promote them a little bit on social media today and uh, some some more stuff out there with the the diet and heart medications. And uh, we talked about some of the, the stats surrounding COVID um, that was brought out, I think, on Fox. And then but but also seed oils, you and I, you and I both were going back and forth on the uh, I guess the, the propaganda surrounding seed oils. And, and we both kind of feel the same way about it. So let's kind of start there with seed oils. Explain what it is to our audience and, and then uh, kind of get into Assume they know nothing about it. And, uh, well, explain I mean, seed oils are the family of oils derived from seeds. Okay, you've got canola, soybean, corn, sunflower, cottonseed, safflower, grapeseed, and rice bran oil. So those are your big eight. And they were in vogue as a response or as a result of the sky is falling propaganda, agenda-driven diet and nutrition research that was done that went out of their way to craft studies to portray saturated fat as the bad guy. And in this era of demonizing things, instead of just trying to have rational conversations about them, food has been one of the things that I think we used in this matter from the beginning or at the beginning of this kind of movement where we demonize things that we don't like or we don't want people to 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 use or whatever. And you see that as research comes out, again, the health experts are responsible for creating this horrendous health situation we find ourselves in. As the as industrialized nations go, we have the worst health, we have the highest more uh, infant mortality rate. We have ridiculous obesity levels. Even if you take into account, they've kind of manipulated the the the, 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 um, the standards by which they measure what obesity is and morbid obesity. That's been kind of played with. But there's no doubt we have an obesity problem here. We have a type 2 diabetes problem here. That's all due to diet. So one of the, the great illustrations of the meddlesome nature of government and how these so-called experts make things worse was in a response to this demonization of saturated fats, we got to the point where we're going to use these vegetable oils are going to be so much better. And, and things like butter, which which really sustained civilization for centuries, if not longer, now is, now is the problem, you know, along with milk and eggs and those other things. 
So what we did, and, and this is just one example, we're not going to belabor the point, but this is an example of how little these people know and how um, really unconcerned they are with our health. They decided that we're going to use, we're going to make this thing called margarine, which takes vegetable oil and hydrogenates it, which is basically what it sounds like. We're going to add hydrogen to it to make it solid and stay solid at room temperature. And thanks to that effort by these health experts, they created trans fats. And trans fats were probably one of the worst dietary substances that we've run across in the last century. And as quickly as they came on the scene, they, the government actually acted to ban them. And uh, again, it's all the trans facts wouldn't have existed if we didn't, if these people, no, I'm not going to say we, if these people didn't work to demonize something that really there was nothing wrong with. And, and that's a great example. And now we have these seed oils, which are included in so many of our processed foods that it's, it's causing a problem with our health. And just, I mean, cutting them out in total would have a drastic positive effect on our overall health, correct? I mean, it's like the, the I, I liken it to, and I think I'm maybe stealing words from you from talking to you yesterday, but it's it's almost like toxic sludge um, that, that, that builds up in our body. And I, I can't properly explain the function of mitochondria in our body, but it, it does do damage to, to the mitochondria. Well, the, it, it, so the, 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 hook they hang their credibility on with these seed oils is that they have linoleic acid in it. And linoleic acid is vital to our ability to, to survive and thrive, which is all nonsense. We need a very small amount of linoleic acid to survive. And, you know, even with crappy diets that we have, uh, developing a deficiency is kind of difficult to, to imagine or to, to do. And we're, we're, and again, co correlation doesn't e equal causation, but the inclusion of these oils in our diet mirror the rapid rise in diabetes and obesity and health issues, heart disease. Now, again, we'll say that correlation doesn't equal causation, but when you add up all of these correlations that we talked about on the show, another one we talked about with the decline in the consumption of whole milk and the increase in non-fat, low-fat milk, there's been an incredible rise in obesity and childhood obesity that mirrors the decline in the whole milk consumption. And actually, we've never picked back, we, we haven't even made up the difference in milk consumption. So milk consumption has gone down drastically. It's not even as if whole milk and uh, I'm sorry, it's not even as uh, uh, partially fat, uh, non-fat milk and totally non-fat milk have picking up, picked up the slack or people have picked up the slack and continue to drink milk. People just are not drinking milk at all as the overall milk consumption trend is way down. So we have all uh, the, again, people who don't eat enough animal products, the more, more there are cor positive correlations between eating meat and health, with eating eggs and health, with eating those things and having lower rates of heart heart disease. So, seed oil, and we're not going to get too deep into it because we could again just have the whole show on it, and I don't want people to glaze over. the The concept is what we want you to to think about, and we want you to do the research. There, they've made the the 
opposition to seed oil political. They, Rolling Stone magazine, which is no longer owned by the original owner and is no longer the same magazine that uh, people our age and even a little younger grew up with, it's become a propaganda rag. And they came out with this article within the last week or so that basically says the anti, if you're anti-seed oil, you're a right-wing extremist. So it's just taken the something that is based in science and is reasonable. The position is reasonable that seed oils are bad for you and has equated it, conflated it, whichever the proper term is, with being a having a political position that most people I know that avoid seed oils are not overtly of any political stripe. And many of the same people I know are uh, probably on the left of the spectrum that will not touch seed oil. I heard these non, uh, this anti-seed oil movement came in my circle from people who I would certainly not consider anywhere near the right wing of the political spectrum. And as a matter of fact, are people that discuss matters of health and fitness without, without politics tainting it. So what we have is a group of oils that are incredibly highly processed. And when I talk about highly processed, I'm not just talking about because it's mixed, there's some ingredients in it and it's uh, a series of, of additives and coloring and uh, artificial flavoring. It's not that. Industrial manufacturers use high temperatures, mechanical pressure, chemical deodorizers, and petroleum-based solvents to extract oils from these seeds. So that process alone strips the oil of most of the nutrients that the pro-seed oil people want to promote as being one of the reasons you want to use these seed oils. And the other part, which again is uh, is is not been proven scientifically, that these so-called anti antioxidant properties that they've measured in these seeds um, and antioxidant uh, success has not really been measured in legitimate laboratory studies with humans. It's been done in test tubes. It's been done in labs. It hasn't been done with people. So the questionable benefit of these antioxidants would, doesn't even survive the process. Uh, of turning these seeds into the seed oil. And if our whole goal is to avoid these processed foods, one of the easiest ways to avoid processed foods is to avoid seed oils. They're cheap. They're dirty. They're all the things you don't want to have in your diet. And cooking with seed oils and heating up things like vegetable oils breaks down the bonds that are used to hold these fat molecules together and actually create a, a negative health response. And you don't want to use a lot of vegetable oil in your cooking. A, vegetable oil turns rancid in heat. That's why they add additives to it to keep it from spoiling on the shelves and on your shelf. But when you cook with it, it's not great either. It's, it's, not, a good, uh, it's not a good option. When you have uh, olive oil and other non-processed oils that are better, better for you, taste better and are easier to cook with. Yeah, no, I think well put. I, I like the reference to margarine because I think we're, we're about the same generation and that, that was kind of a kickback when we were kids. The, the margarine was pushed as better than butter and it's really not. Oh, yeah. One of the biggest scams until recently. Yeah. And I, I, I remember seeing those big tubs in our fridge when I was a kid, but um, 
Yeah, when I, I want to do my biology professors, uh, make them proud of me here. I don't want to go too deep because I'll certainly reverse that feeling immediately. But just so our, our audience understands, the seed oils do damage. The mitochondria is the energy of the cell. Um, it, very, very susceptible to mutations. So things like seed oil can can cause problems there in part because, you know, they're, uh, how would you say it? The well, I guess there's the dis, there's disorder, disease and disorders associated with mitochondrial dysfunction are caused by mutations, and uh, they're very susceptible to mutations. So, I think what you're saying here again, we don't want to go too deep because we don't want people to glaze over. But that's a very important part of your your survival. So, uh, seed oils is damaging that directly. Yeah, I mean seed oil. They, I mean seed oil. Uh, mitochondria are the energy producers of the cells. Of yeah. and without with mitochondrial damage. Everything falls apart. Uh, they've even done research on high-level athletes. The more efficient, most most high-level athletes have incredibly efficient and better mitochondrial function than the average person. Done. They, they've done research to that. So anything that disrupts that process is bad for you. So, like I said, I want people to look into that and realize. Go in and look at. You could find the process by which they make canola oil. We talked, Dave and I, we, Dave, we talked off, off the air about this, these forever chemicals that we're being told are in our produce and in stuff like when you drink water uh, out of a plastic bottle that we're supposed to leach, that are supposed to leach into the water that are getting into our systems, which are bad for you. These oils are, especially canola oil, it uses the most, some of the most toxic substances you can imagine in the process and turning that into, quote, in some terms, edible or uh, suitable for consumption. So you're now eating something, consuming something that directly comes in contact with the chemicals that are going to kill you if you had them by, by themselves. So the, the, the effort to try to put a happy face on seed oils is really kind of puzzling to me. Yeah, of course, it goes back to money. We see that with all of the things we're, we're, we're discussing uh, a lot on this show where things are being pushed out there, uh, supported by the media, supported by public policy or government, and then entrenched into our education. And then uh, here we have the money-making uh, scheme that, you know, is surrounding seed oils. So there, there's more more, more of these that we're going to talk about today. Do you want to transition into the, the other articles now? That, that, well, I just, but, but since you brought this up, it's more nefarious than simply money-making. It goes deeper than that. We have here uh, it's a, this is an anti-meat, anti-farmer agenda that we have. And you can look at what they're talking about. And in the, uh, in the opposition to what they're saying is, is good for you or what is bad for you and what is good for you. So we have now, we're supposed to believe that eating bugs is somehow going to be better for you and the planet than eating meat. We have been told that these seed oils, which need to be processed, are better than eating the other olive oil, other oils such as olive oil that don't undergo these processes, we're being told that this quote lab-grown meat is going to be better than the real thing, both from an ecological standpoint and a health standpoint. When that's going to be the most highly processed food available, but what they don't tell you, and this is where the money-making part of it comes in. When they get this lab-grown meat, this is going to be all intellectual property that's going to be patented. And they're not going to have to reveal 
the details of what's included in this witch's brew that you're going to, that they, they want everybody to ingest. Whereas when we eat meat, you know, we're worried about antibiotics and other things that are in the feed and whether a, a cow is free grade, uh, is free range or has been fed certain kinds of feed, how they're raised. You're talking about now some, again, witch's brew of all kinds of substances and we're not going to really know what they're made up of because they're going to have this patent and they're going to hide under the um, under the uh, umbrella of trade secret and this is their patent and this is their secret. They do it, it, it that kind of thing exists already in the processed food that we eat and we could get into that in another show but there's ingredients in your processed food whether it be the french fries or tater tots or prepared food you buy in the supermarket there's ingredients in that that you don't see the whole picture because quote it's patented and it's a trademark and they're not revealing trade secrets so there's a whole three or four other levels deeper we could go into this but that's another part of it it's intellectual property we're not going to be told what is in it and we're going to have well if, if they have their way we're going to have no choice but to eat it so with uh, there there's obviously some some groups are creating a problem out there so the financial strategy that we've seen in our world is they probably have already manufactured a solution. Are they pushing solutions out there in the form of a weight loss medication or, you know, anything like that, that, that we'd want to speak of? Well, with that, the weight loss medication now, every day you're seeing more information about how great and the benefits of these drugs. There was another, uh, I, I think it was one of the schools in the university of California system. I, I don't want to say which one it was, but I believe it was UCAL. Irvine. They, I'm sorry. I think it was Irvine. Was it Irvine? Okay. Whatever, whichever one it was that basically talked about all the benefits that'll come from these drugs because you'll, the weight loss will reduce heart disease and all the other markers of health. And it'll, but, but that's all again, pie in the sky posturing. It, it, it's, it's a predictor. It's, it's almost like, you know, saying, you know, a given team is going to win on an NFL Sunday. Well, no, you don't know that because, first of all, you're still treating the symptom here. I don't care what medical school tells you if these drugs are going to be healthy for you or they're going to be helpful for you. They're not saying they're going to be healthy. They're saying they're going to be helpful. There's still a difference um, that we can't go forward and, and assume it's going to make any change to your habits, which is where all of these real changes have to occur. And I'll tell you, this is anecdotal, but I've talked to other professionals and people that do what I do that have people on these substances. I know firsthand people who are on one of these fam uh, favorite drugs, they don't change their eating habits. So while they have lost weight up front, they haven't lost weight on a continual basis because they're, they don't change their eating habits because they've lost weight based on this introduction of this substance. So it's a short-term weight loss that long-term is making no difference to their health. And that's because no habits are being changed, basically. Yeah, they've been sold the bill of goods. Here, here's the injection and you're going to lose weight. Well, you know what, Dave? The, the most, one of the most researched and tested dietary supplements is creatine. Creatine monohydrate, which is a muscle building all natural muscle building powder that you could put in a glass of water, 
drink pre-workout, and it's going to help you stave off fatigue, and it's also going to help you grow muscle. Now, a percentage of people don't respond to it, so it doesn't work for everybody, but the mechanism by which it works has been proven time and time again. However, if you're not eating properly, if you're not exercising properly, even if you're a, quote, responder to the creatine, you're not going to see any gains or you're not going to see the, the gains that you could get because you're not doing those other things that are necessary in any setting to derive benefit. So the same thing goes for these drugs. Again, the, the, they harp or they focus on certain measurements but at the end of the day, you're not healthier just because you lose 20 pounds. As a matter of fact, you could make the case people could be less healthy after losing 20 pounds than they were before, especially if they've lost muscle and not fat, which is what happens in most cases. If you notice, Dave, in these studies, they do not talk about body composition. The highlight is weight, is weight loss. Weight loss is meaningless. Weight loss is meaningless without the, the correlated change in body composition and that means what's their body fat versus what's their lean muscular mass bone and all that stuff and is is there a connection to to this and if i have the the drug wrong correct me but it's uh or my will go am i saying that right yeah is that the, there's that weight loss to say yeah that's the same that's adults. Substance, but it's the same concept I think you sent me an article on that where it says 93 million adults, um, it, it'll mesh with what they're trying to do or mesh, mesh with their weight loss desires. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, this, that's one of these studies. And again, it's, it's, it's taking a little bit of information and extrapolating it to a point that it, it becomes meaningless. That, that's the, it's UC Irvine. That's the study. I mean, they have basically come out and said that this medication can prevent heart attack, may prevent heart attack and stroke. Well, this is these are all projections. If you read the article, a projected 93 million U.S. adults may be suitable uh, for the dose of some, I, I can't even pronounce it, so I'm not gonna, but they, it's, these are all just extrapolations because of the known weight loss side effects. 15% of, an aver- of, of weight loss is, is average. So it, it could result in fewer people with obesities and then they say uh, with obesity. And then they said that would then in turn prevent a million and a half million heart attacks and strokes. So th- this is just made up information because they, they have zero real science behind this. this. These are all assumptions based on assumptions. That's uh, well, d- d- right. Taps into our amygdala, hope or fear, and they, they prey on that with people. And hope's not a good strategy, and, and fear we see that in our world nonstop. Whether it's uh, the, the way we're, we're looking at shutdowns potentially nowadays, that's that's the that's the uh, influence of tyrants. That's what they do. Try to separate us with hope or fear. So, um, what what uh, what else are you hearing about that stuff? Or do you want to transition into a Another. Well, I just think it's, again, we have to be constantly vigilant and not fall for these articles and look at those. Again, the, the words they use is are important. Uh, may. May. You know, the word may is included in both the headline and the subheadline. Projected. It's the it's the second word in the first in the lead paragraph. A projected 93 million U.S. adults. 
And they again, they said who may be suitable to get the dose of the drug. And projected, again, this is all projections. It's all nonsense. It's like telling me what you know what the weather's going to be like in a month. You know, it's like telling me, you know, again, we talk, I, I reference it, like who's going to win the World Series? Who's going to win the Jet Giant game in week 12, whatever. That's all projection. It's all meaningless. It's not science. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's it, I like how you're picking out the, the, those are key words for people to, to lock into. Obviously, the meat and potatoes is the research, but I think the qualifiers make it even less credible within the article. Well, and, you know, some of these studies, Dave, you, you don't even see the real construction of how the, the study, you don't see the real construction of the study. So was there any dietary intervention? So were these people eating a healthier diet? If they were, it's certainly not featured in the beginning part of the article where 90% of the people st- stop after that, that first few paragraphs. If you have to dig down to the bottom to see how the study was constructed and if they did even have a dietary component to it, then that is just, again, my bet is they had a dietary component to it. They don't want to tell you that because that's going to be just as much of an an effect on improving your profile as this drug. The drug could be a placebo at some point. Here's another one, the, 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 another, what's this, a cardiovascular one. So it's the, the poly pill, right? To combine three, three medications into one to solve cardiovascular disease. How about that for a magic? That's that's just, it's more of the same uh, smoke and mirrors. It's, it's again, a pill we haven't in, in the history of medicine and mankind, despite being told things to the contrary, we have not had that this medical miracle in a pill. As a matter of fact, when promised these medical miracles, it's turned out to be a a nightmare, turned out to be a disaster in most cases. Just look at recently, look in this since 2000, we've got the disaster of the vaccine. We have the disaster, the disaster of the opioids. Again, those were supposed to be miracle drugs. It's actually worked out to be the exact opposite. Yeah. That's uh, well said. And the other part that concerns me is I, I saw that the one I just mentioned that, that you sent me, the poly pill has been listed as one of the essential medicines with the World Health Organization. So that in itself concerns me that there's money to be had both in that and whatever problems it, it causes beyond. But the, the pill itself is for people who have already had a heart attack. So there, you know, the, the indication is that there is a problem there and healthier diet, exercise, change of lifestyle whatever, whatever the, the long-term fix is, is probably a better direction to look for than. And I, I think this term healthcare, you know, they're talking about the, the, these pills, these medications are meeting priority healthcare needs. That, that's not healthcare. No. We don't have healthcare. We have, a, I don't know what to call it, but it's not healthcare. We're, we're doing very little to uh, extend our, health span. We're doing lifespan extension, but that, who cares if you live 10 years longer, if those 10 years you're on 20 different drugs and you can't get up out of a chair. That's what, that's what we have here. That's why we have, that's why we have the worst healthcare system in the industrialized nation, because I love the term captured. We've been captured by the pharmaceutical industry. We all know now it's no secret that the pharmaceutical industry pumps more money into the media machine than any other by far than any other industry. And that's why 
We're getting this shoved down our throat. Watch a streaming network. Watch a sporting event. It is a drug for this, a drug for that, 24-7. Oh, you can't, yeah, you can't watch a baseball game anymore if, you, if people still are and not see it scroll in the background on one of those revolving signs or com- commercials sponsored by or you know, outtakes sponsored by. And you're right, it's, 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 a, uh, it's a pharmaceuticals company that's just spreading their wealth around everywhere. And so that, that leads us to what we teased last week. I believe we, uh, in, our, in our closing monologue, we we teased that we were going to talk about this other prescription drug, and that's going to be our weekly uh, a weekly feature here, where we we talk about a drug and we look at the side effects and we look about uh, we look at what it does and we talk about are there other less risky, maybe more effective, and certainly less expensive alternatives. So I'm going to pr- probably butcher this canal- uh, pronouncement pronouncement. But it pronunciation, but it's uh, Qvivic, Q U V I V I Q. Whoever named that drug, by the way, should uh, have an uncomfortable cell in hell. Um, what does it do? Do you, do you have you heard of that one, Dave? I haven't. No. Okay. Well, this is a prescription medicine for adults who have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. So that's something pretty common, right? I'm sure you know people if, if yourself, if you yourself yeah. have not eaten me every night. Okay. So we've talked about that. So let's talk about the serious side effects because that's kind of like become a joke that the side effects seem to be more in the forefront than actually what the drug does and the benefits of it. What I think is kind of funny, I don't know why this strikes me as funny, but it's the, the first important safety information they hit you with is do not take quick, Quivivic if you fall asleep often at unexpected times. So again, that's for narcoleptics, but still yeah. it's also, it's also just seems interesting to me that you shouldn't take it if you fall asleep often at unexpected times, but you, you can't fall asleep at night. And that's torture. I know it can be torture. I'm not making fun of the people who have that. I'm just saying it's interesting to me that that is a, a counterindication, so to speak. So yeah. he, here are some of the side effects, the serious side effects. decreased awareness and alertness. So they're saying the morning after you take Quivivic, your ability to drive safely and think clearly may be decreased. You may also have sleepiness during the day. Okay. All right. So to me, that sounds pretty serious, pretty heavy. Uh, Do not take Quivivic unless you are able to stay in bed for at least seven hours before you must begin to be active again. And take take the drug at night within 30 minutes before going to bed. So the other period, here's the bigger problem in my mind. Those things, I guess, would you would think that could be a, a side effect and, and a, 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 a logical one of taking a drug that was uh, taking a drug that was going to help help you sleep. Cuvivic uh, is a federally controlled substance because it can be abused or lead to dependence. So to me, that's almost a disqualifier. I, I think that. Kind of like a no shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, but that's one of those things that can be for as uncomfortable and, and bad as insomnia can be. That's, that's really bad. And uh, that's something of concern. And again, just like all these other drugs, you have to, you have to be aware of if you take this substance, Quivivic, how does it interact with the other drugs you're taking? Does it, 
counteract those other drugs or does it just cause serious side effects? Because those are two major things that are a, a bigger problem, than, again, than the insomnia itself. And again, obviously, it says do not take this with other medications that can make you sleepy. So, but you can't drink when you take it. So that's another thing that people need to be aware of. You can't drive, operate heavy machinery or do anything dangerous or anything that requires clear thinking. So there's a lot of problems there. And then they get into the other serious side effects about worsening depression and suicidal thoughts, temporary inability to move or talk for up to several minutes or hallucinations while you're going to sleep. And other complex sleep behaviors such as sleepwalking, sleep driving, preparing and eating food, making phone calls, having sex, or doing other activities while not fully awake that you may not remember the next morning. So, so, so there you have a pretty serious suite of problems, right? Yeah, just that's an understatement there. Quivivic, I, I got to cross them off our potential sponsor list. I don't think we want to associate. Yeah, I don't think they're good. But you know, they if you read about what these sleep drugs do, you never, you don't actually sleep. You're yeah. you do not get into your third level REM sleep. You are sedated. Yeah, and that's the word for it. You're sedated, unconscious. You're you're not you're not into you're not asleep. That's why even all these other sleeping pills that have been around forever. One of the side effects or one of the actual effects is you don't actually sleep. You're sedated. So you don't get the deep sleep, the restorative sleep that really you're sleeping for. So that that becomes a problem. So now we have. There there are natural alternatives to it. There is a cocktail of over the counter supplements that through my research and, and trying to find a better way to sleep. And stay asleep, I've come upon, and we've talked about this as well. Uh, There are four, there's a four drug, or four, I shouldn't say they're not drugs, a four supplement, or actually you you really only need three of them, supplements that you could take about an hour before you go to bed. And this is now anecdotal in, in full disclosure. I, this is my experience and a couple of other clients that I've, uh, mention this too. It's there's a substance called apennine, and it's spelled A P I G E N I N. So it's probably apennin, right? And it is a bioflavonoid, a flavonoid, sorry, which helps your immune system, and it also helps uh, in relaxation. So it has some qualities that would help help you to fall asleep that you would think would hope would help you fall asleep. It's ap- apennine, A-P-I-G-E-N-I-N. Uh, I think a bottle of that is, you could get it on Amazon, check it out somewhere in the low twenties and that's going to uh, $20 and that's going to last you several months. I believe they come 90, 120 in a bottle. You take one a night. This, you, you said you utilize this? Yeah. So this is, this is, I endorse it. I have, I had struggled with not falling asleep, but staying asleep. I think that's really the bigger problem for most people. The more people I speak with, the more I find it's really not falling asleep. That's the issue. It's staying asleep. And I have a lot of people who've been dissatisfied with melatonin. I myself is one of them and I, I stopped taking it. Uh, and I have found a lot of 
success and a lot of sleepful nights with this. So, so the key take takeaway about Apennin is it supports. Now, again, these are these are based on not the same kind of research that you get from these pharmaceutical companies, but you're also not getting whacked with the side effect hammer here, right? So you, you, it, it, it's, it's promotes sleep, increases, I, I don't believe some of these things, but it does things that I believe help you fall asleep, which are basically, it supports the immune system and it helps you sleep, okay? Uh, the other one is theanine, T-H-E. E-A-N-I-N-E. So it might be theanine. Um, pronunciation isn't my strong suit. It's a non-protein amino acid. And again, the claims are that it lowers stress levels. Um, what were your issues as to why? If I, if I could ask, what were you, why, why weren't you able to sleep, do you think? Well, I would wake up, and I think it's just one of those things where you wake up, you're whether it's to go to the bathroom or something, just you have a dream or whatever, you wake up and your mind starts to go because you're coming out of whatever sleep phase you're in. And once the mind starts to think about things, whether it's the next day's work, schedule, bills to pay, other things you have, you have a game coming up, I'm coaching, I have to do this, I have to do that, stuff with the kids, whatever it is, life, I think that's what happens. I think you get that mind gets on that treadmill and uh, that that's what keeps you awake. And, and you know what, Dave, some of these things like Apennine, I forgot to mention this. It, it, it's found in a bunch of uh, herbs and vegetables, but it's also found in chamomile tea, which is why a lot of people drink chamomile tea. So for me, I used to try this sleepy time tea at night. But the problem with that is what, Dave, if you drink a cup of tea before you go to bed, what's going to happen? You have to go to the bathroom at some point in time. Yeah, so I found it was a kind of a, a, a self-defeating prophecy right there. You're having that you know, 10, 12-ounce mug of tea before you go to bed, and it's going to have to make a reappearance, and usually it's like 4.30 in the morning, which isn't great. So it does a lot of the same things that you could get from the tea without the liquid. Um, and then the next one is that I mentioned theanine, right? There's an, a, an E at the end of it, so it might be theanine. I wish they gave you a pronunciation guide here. But again, it's supposed to, similar things, to reduce anxiety, aid relaxation. And again, it doesn't have any kind of, there's no side effect from this. There's no, um, there's no addictive quality to it. There's no counteracting with other medication. Um, and, and again, it's an amino acid, and research indicates that there is, are el, uh, elements of relaxation while able helping you to concentrate. And again, it's it's a mood. It, they say it affects positively affects your mood and cognitive function. So it mm -hmm. works on that same spectrum that the apennine does. Apennine does. It's interesting. I've 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 gone so far as to go to you know this is a while ago. I've had this issue for a long time. Um, similar to what you're saying, like, you know, your, your, your mind's engaged, which I think is, is not a bad thing, but, uh, I haven't slept a lot forever. And I've, I've gone and this is again, way back when I was coaching, uh, beginning of my head coaching career, which was over 20 years ago. But, uh, yeah. And I, doctors say, you know, you're fully healthy. You're 
and I, I, you know, I got concerned because I'm like, you know, you, you, maybe now, but if you do it enough, it starts to compound. But the, the, the recommendation they gave was get a hobby. So I do, that's actually what I do. I keep something on my nightstand, a project that I've been pushing off, something that I don't want to do. It's one of those things, okay, I got to get it done. I put it over there and that's kind of my, my punishment if I get up. You, you can either take a deep breath and stay in bed or you can get up and do the project you didn't want to do. So I, uh, more often than not, I pick the project up, spend a good hour on it. Um, or if there's a book I'm wanting to read and keep pushing off and then about an hour, I'm back to sleep. Um, hopefully sometimes longer than others, but I've never, I've never experimented with the, you know, a couple of times with the tea, my wife's big into the tea, but, um, never with, with any type of medication, even melatonin. Um, I've, I've heard that, you know, obviously it's, a, it's naturally in our body, but, uh, just never did. Don't know why. Uh, but, uh, You've had success with them, though, it sounds like. Yeah, and then the third one is this uh, L3 and 8, which is a form of magnesium. And again, it, this is one that if you look into it, there, there, there's been some legit studies done. The one that I looked up and found before when I was you know, researching this for my own use, it is something that was published by the National Institutes of Health. And it was shown that this supplementation improves symptoms of migraine headaches and has other beneficial effects on lowering advi- uh, lower anxiety in uh, in subjects prone to mental stress. So hmm. it's it's a, a, enough of a positive sounding outcome to make have made me try it, and I cannot recommend it enough. I wake, I sleep. If I have to get up in the middle of the night for the call to nature, I go right back to sleep. I easily could sleep my seven and a half to eight hours where is that whereas that was a struggle before well, so magnesium is a natural element so that, that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable well these are all natural elements like oh. i said these are not uh these are not things that are chemicals these are not things not and again just because it's found in nature doesn't make it better many poisons are found in nature but you're not talking about an addictive pharmaceutical drug and you know what you, you spend 70 bucks on these three things the worst thing that you find after three months is it doesn't work you're out 70 bucks you're not possibly addicted to something or you're taking something that's going to make you a zombie the next day i like i may look take a look at that third one because i'm i like magnesium i i use as a uh we have a, a deodorant spray that i i'm very cautious of what i put on my pores so uh, there's a magnesium spray that I, I've used as deodorant for a long time, and I love it. It's, uh, and then we also have it in liquid form. And when I have sore muscles, um, I'll put it on there, and it, it works like a charm, especially around my anything around my knee areas that uh, helps out. But I'll have to look into that. I, I've I've just kind of accepted it as inevitable. But if there's a healthy cure to it, I may. Uh, who knows? Maybe I haven't even hit my peak yet. Well, I would I would like I said, I have had. A bunch of medical procedures lately resulted to uh, as a result of the infection I had and had blood work uh, weekly for four months and have had nothing but a positive profile in all the blood work that I had done. So that combined with the fact that it actually makes me sleep and I'm able to function and I feel great because I'm sleeping, I would recommend that cocktail, if you will, of of the of the apennine theanine and the l3 and 8 and uh and I, anyone who's having a hard time sleeping or staying asleep i recommend it and you you take all three at the same time yeah 
Okay. Right before we go to bed, like an hour before bed. I actually take more, but I take them all at night so I don't forget. Um, and how long have you been doing this for? Probably 18 months. Oh, wow. Okay. So fairly recent. And then what were you doing before that? All the other stuff you described that came in? I would try melatonin. There were other, there were other forms of magnesium that were supposed to help you sleep and relax. Uh, they did, and they worked to varying degrees, nothing as consistently and as satisfyingly. I can't tell you, I, there were nights where I would dread going to sleep because I knew at some point I was going to wake up and then be up. And that doesn't help. I think you start getting on that. Gives you that anxiety. It was as if, you know, it was like when I was a kid and I had asthma, there was a mental component to that too. In the fall, or you, for me, cut grass in the fall could trigger an asthma attack. And just the, the sound of a lawnmower sometimes this time of year would get me going as a kid. You know, I was 10, 11, 12, 13. So those were the worst kind of, that, that was the worst feeling that I can imagine. It was that a, a, a feeling you can't breathe. So the mental component also affects you. So uh, it, I'll tell you what, for, I've taken enough things to try to help me sleep non-prescription wise that the placebo effect is probably not responsible to this because if the placebo effect would work, I wouldn't have gotten to this point after years of trying different mixes to get to this point. So the, this, I'm pretty sure, is going to help people who need to to be able to get through the night. Yeah. Have there have you tried? I mean, in your attempt to to get to this point, have you had you tried any uh, physical activities? Like I, that's what people had recommended to me. Like you know. Get, get a, a little short workout in, do yoga. I'm, I work out and I'm on my feet all day at 1230 at night. I'm not working out so I could fall asleep. I mean, yes. that to me, that is just masking whatever the issue is because that's not normal. So it sounds like a good idea and it may work. You're, you'd be better off taking a, a, a cold bath at night before you go to bed before get exercise as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I would think maybe somebody who's not in shape, it could work. But for me, it actually woke me up even more when I did it. You, get, you know, you start training your lymphatic system and it's like, poop, I'm all fired up, ready to. Endorphins going, you know, I, there's there's days I feel like garbage and I work out and I feel like a new person afterwards. So if you're sleep and you're not going to, if you're sleepy at night, the last thing you're going to want to do is go 20 minutes on the stationary bike. I mean, that to me, that that's. Just I don't believe that. I, I I think that's probably the worst thing. And and most people who need to do that are not going to do it, even if it did work. How about screen time? You think that affects people? I mean, everybody's on their phones all day, laptops. We're, you know, we're we're doing this from computers right now. I don't. I my screen's dark. But I I, don't, I I have mine on dark, but I I'll end the night watching something on my iPad, whether it's a, a TV show, whether it's a streaming show or whatever, and I go right to sleep. So and. Again, maybe that's just me, but uh, or is it these supplements really have me in a spot where I'm so ready to go to bed and no matter what time it is, no matter where I'm sleeping, which was another thing for me in the last week, I've slept in a couple of different places because of circumstances and slept through every night. Whereas in the past, my first night sleeping somewhere new, I'm not sleeping. I haven't had that in 18 months since wow. I started this. Yeah. I think that's the last piece to my puzzle. I, I feel like I'm, I'm comfortable with my, the way I eat. I'm comfortable with the way I exercise. 
I'm comfortable with how I deal with, with stresses and pressures of life, but, um, I, I still have not mastered the sleep and I, I am trying this now and it has worked. I don't recommend this to people. This may just be me, but I'll put my ear, 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 uh, ear pieces in with my, uh, phone and I'll put eight or nine podcasts on in succession and I'll fall asleep to those. And I've, I've had some pretty good nights. Dave. I hope you don't fall asleep to me. I, I, you're, you're my, you're, you're in the, you would not put me to sleep. You keep me up. You get me jacked up. So yeah, I, I, uh, it's, it's other podcasts outside of our network I put on. And, uh, it's, uh, it's funny. I feel like I retain a lot of it that I'm lit, that I'm listening to subconsciously, but who knows the, uh, who knows the damage that's going on. I've seen too many, uh, friends episodes where they've messed with whoever's listening to stuff in their, in their recordings where I, I get concerned that my kids may mess well, with me. You know, the other thing that's interesting is the research they've done with, um, relaxing sounds to help sleep and, um, other things they've done to help people with their memory and their mood through sounds. I, that's the other thing I have is I have my Alexa play brown noise, ah. not white noise. And that's another, I think that's a big assist. I, I have a hard time with silence. I like a little, whether it's a fan or the fan brown noise, that that's a big help. That's growing up in New York. I, I do. I've got a little bit of the rain. I like that. Um, yeah. Ocean waves. I, I, I like that. And then um, my, my wife only made one request. She goes, don't listen to Bill Burr. I love Bill Burr, comedian. He's got oh, a yeah. podcast. And she's like, don't listen to him because you, you end up waking up angry in the morning. Or laughing. Um, <laughs> he's uh he's my favorite comedian. I love his stuff. Yeah. So, well, that's good stuff. Uh, what, what else you want to leave the audience with? What are you going to tease them for next week? Well, I think I wanted to talk about it, but we didn't get to it. But we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about, again, because we have to remind everybody how the advice we've been getting to eat has resulted in people's average weight gain going up astronomically. I had done a little quick commentary on my on my uh, podcast about the increase in body weight over the the time over time and how ridiculous it's gone from the 50s to the current day so we're going to talk a little bit about that and how it tracks with this dietary advice that we've been given we were and where can i hear this on on your uh on on instagram on my sal coach sal's playmakers i did uh, one of my weekly commentaries last week talked about how since the 50s um the average weight of of that so the average weight the average height really hasn't changed much it's five nine in the in the in the 50s 1955 the average weight of uh, a guy who was five foot nine is 166 pounds now it's 199 pounds. Oh wow! And the average weight for a woman in that same there five three, uh, the average height is gone from one thirty three to I believe it was one seventy or one seventy five, which is oh, really horrendous when you think about it. So yeah. now we want to talk. I want to talk about that, and I want people just. I want to really get people pissed off that they've listened to other people telling them what to eat. And haven't really done their own work. So, well, that's a theme across our podcast this week. Whether it's hitting, throwing, pitching, uh, you name it. Now, diet, uh, sleep, sleep medication. 
So no, you're hitting on a the common theme and our, our audience knows we're going to, we're going to hit them right between the eyes with stuff. And like you said, they've got to do their own research. They've, they have to, you know, be, be self-reliant. Great, great essay by Ralph Waldo Emerson. I recommend it. So, well, what, um, I know you're always reading any, any, anything you want to recommend book wise, uh, documentary wise. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm, I'm reading actually, uh, rereading this book called swallow this. I believe I talked about it last week. It's about, what you're eating when you eat processed foods and how it's kind of disgusting. And you probably would never buy another box of prepared chicken fingers or any other prepared meal for your family or for yourself. Uh, highly recommended. The, la- the woman's last, last name is Blythen, B-L-Y-T-H-E-N, uh, British. It's written about the British food industry, but pretty much the same thing holds true for the United States uh, food industry. Uh, so that's one for sure. I would recommend. Good deal. I, uh, I've got myself in a Deutschowski kick right now, so, um, nothing pertinent to what we're doing, but I, I did get, and I read it before and I, I got it on Amazon. I don't know how well received this will be out there probably well with our audience, but, um, there's a book by, by Robert Lifton. If people know who that, that guy is. And he wrote a book on thought reform and the psychology of totalism. So, Wow. If people know what's going on um, in the world with, you know, with our relationship with some other countries. It's a, it's basically a study of uh, brainwashing. And we kind of see, you, you know, use the word gaslighting on our show. Oh, but yeah. the way that some uh, countries have approached the United States in terms of that particular topic. So a little heavy, but um, it makes, makes Doyshovsky light, if you can imagine that. That's kind of hard to imagine. Yeah. So, but uh, that that's what's on my... Uh, my read, my reading list right now for the end of the summer. So, well, Sal, great show again. Uh, our audience will be anxious to, but don't lose sleep over it unless you're going to take one of those or all those three medications. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what we'll talk about next week. I'm, I'm, I, I wrote those heights and weights down. I'm glad to see that I'm, I would have been in vogue back in the fifties. So I'm at five ten, one sixty five. 165. So maybe I'm on the little light side with that, but, uh, can't believe the weights you said, my gosh, five, three, one seventy five. Yeah, that's really stark. And again, I think what what I would really also try to get everybody to do is get in touch uh, or get in tune with what your body composition is. I'll give you one last thing. Kind of as a goof, I have a client who was half busting my chops about a scale, a scale, a scale. And my answer to that for the last 30 years has always been, well, if we could get your body fat, then I'd get a scale. Well, the, the advances are, are such that you could get a pretty accurate scale that's going to give you pretty accurate body fat. At least it's repeatable, repli- re- replicable body fat measurements for 20 bucks on Amazon. Get your body fat measurements. Do, do your body composition. If you, I believe in the, thought, in the idea that we don't necessarily want to call it body fat because you're, you're focusing on the negative that most people are going to have in the fat. So body composition is more important than your number on the scale. Dave, if you were telling me you were, what did you say you are? 5'10", what weight? I'm probably close. I'm closer to 170, probably between 165 and 170. So say you were 170, but you were at a a solid 8% body fat, but you at 160, you were 12% body fat. Well, obviously you're healthier at the top, at the higher weight. That goes to my, that goes to my point I made earlier about these fat, 
of weight loss drugs that they're pr promoting is that they don't talk about body composition. They talk about weight loss where weight loss has absolutely nothing to do with an improved health, with improved health. So everybody think about it. I bought the scale again. It was 20 bucks and it got here in two days from Amazon. It has an app for your phone and it will track you every time you get on there. And even if you have a family, it can have more than a few people that you can track. So I recommend that highly. Yeah. So, so more weight's not as important as body composition is what you're saying. Yes. Good deal. Yeah. I don't know what my body fat is. It's not very high. Um, but I may, I may get that check, may check that out. Cause, because I, I think because I run so much and I'm conscious what I eat, I've never, and I, I have good metabolism and I think, uh, fortunate to have good genetics. I think that plays a part in it as well. But, uh, I don't get too concerned about that stuff, fortunately, but those heights and weights alarm me. So I'm going to have to take a look around the people I'm hanging around with, see who's in that, especially on the men's side with the coaches, 5'9", 199, you said? Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. No, yeah, 5'9", 199, which Ooh. is, that's chubby. Yeah. I had a hard time maintaining 175 when I was playing professional baseball. It was part of the thing they asked me to do, maintain. They wanted me to weigh more because they were afraid I was going to lose weight throughout the season. And, and, uh, you know, over that, that long minor league season, but I was able to keep it up around 170 for the most part, but it was uncomfortable. It was when I was that young, but now it's, it's pretty easy. I guess metabolism slows down and bodies change a little bit, but. Well, you watch these major leaguers today. They're not having a hard time keeping their weight up. So. Oh my God. No, gosh, I get your texts or group texts and <laughs> I turn them on and I just, I, I, I feel uncomfortable watching them. So. But, uh, well, great episode today, Sal, with the hot corner. We covered a lot of different topics. I'm glad we got to the sleep aid stuff because, again, and you know this and all our hosts know this, I, I love to educate our audience. This, these shows are for them, but there, there's some selfish components of these shows that I like to get some information to. So thank you for making me smarter today. Very sophisticated audience. They're probably better at pronouncing the words than we are, but do your own research. Uh, you know, Be your own leader in this regard, not just in, in the health industry, but also in baseball as we do with our podcast. And we'll hit you next week with some of the tough topics that Sal uh, teased a little bit today. And Sal, thanks again. Have a great weekend, bud. Thanks, Dave. You too.